Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Today we are talking about Jonah's response, about Jonah response. So if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to Jonah 3. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Somebody say that a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city. A three-day walk, Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in this city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. If you're taking notes this morning, the name of my message is Wales, Jails, and Jesus Tales. Bow your head, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for who you are, or that you are the God of more. Even when we begin to settle for the little bit of the things that the earth has for us, you always want more for us, more of you, more of your peace, more of your presence, more of the purpose that you created us to walk in. So, Lord, I pray that you speak to us today in a way that only you can. You don't speak to our ears, but you speak to our hearts. Speak to your children. Lord, we need you more than ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so since we are family, I need your help, church. I need you to pray for my boy, Elijah. See, he is cute as can be, but it is funny. He's about to be two in December, and it seems like God makes him the cutest when they're also the worst. And Elijah is in this no phase. He has learned the power of this word no, and he loves it. And what makes it even worse is no to everything. What makes it even worse is that he's so cute when he says it. Like when he says no, he does not just say no. He says no as if he has taken into full consideration the request that you have brought to him, and he has weighed out the pros and cons, and he has decided that he will not be partaking. It has gotten bad. I mean, like literally the other day, I was in our bedroom, and I heard him. It was just me and him at home. He was in the living room watching Coco Melon. Once again, pray for me, church, if you know what Coco Melon is. Somebody likes Coco Melon in here. And I start hearing him talking. I'm like, who is he talking to? Nobody else is in here. And I walk in and this kid is practicing saying no to the television. It's like he's practicing his delivery. But it has gotten so bad that he gets so stuck on saying no that he ends up saying no to the things that he really wants. I'll be like, Elijah, do you want chicken? No. Do you want smoked salmon? No. And yes, I did just say smoked salmon. My child has a sophisticated palate. He does not get that from his, from his uncle, Pastor David Ray. Do you want a banana? No. Oh, wait, yes, yes, banana. And he'll start crying for a banana. But the truth is, is if we're not careful, church, we can end up doing the same thing. We can begin to say no to so many things because it makes us uncomfortable or because simply we're lazy, or we don't want to be a part of it, or we don't want to do it. But we end up saying no to the same things that we truly desire. And this is my story, and I'll get into that in a second. But see, much like Jonah, we have also received a call to go. And this is not just for the spiritual elite. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. You see, as Christians, we should never have a problem with finding purpose. 
Our purpose is simply to continue Jesus's purpose. So I want to talk about three different reasons that we should respond to the call of God like Jonah did. That we should respond to this great commission that he has given us. And the first one is, is you don't want to miss out. My first point for today is you do not want to miss out. And I know I've shared bits and pieces of my story here in different moments, whether it be, but see, me and Jonah, we would have been boys. Like me and Jonah would have saw eye to eye. I could see the conversations me and Jonah would be having. Oh, God did that to you? And you still ain't listening? No, bro, I had to go to the school of hard knocks. See, I grew up in a home with a single mother. Where are the single moms at? There we go. Strong women. I grew up with a single mom. My mom was the goat, man. She was awesome. She did amazing. But see, me not having a father figure in my life, it left some holes in my heart. It left some holes in my soul. You know, some desires that I had. And man, my mom raised me in this church. I remember when we first started coming to this church, we would drive from the hood in our hoopty, and my mom would park behind the building across the street so nobody could see her 1988 Crown Victoria, and we would walk to church. But man, my mom raised me in this church, and man, before we had kids district, we had kids in action. Like, we were doing sock puppets and stuff. Your kids don't know how good they have it these days. But I remember being at a kids in action summer camp, and Man, we were there, and the Holy Spirit broke out. I'm in fifth grade. And man, I had the first genuine experience with God. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, fifth grade. And God began to give me a vision of me preaching the gospel to people. Here I am, fifth grade. I don't even understand the gospel fully at this point. But I understood at that point that the rest of my life was supposed to be preaching the gospel. You know, that's why we have Kids District. That's why we have fifth and sixth. That's why we have... A youth. Man, ain't nobody trying to babysit your kids. We just know and believe that God is trying to meet your kids where they're at. That God wants to speak to your kids. He wants to do something in their lives. He wants to move among your children. So, man, I grew up in this church, and throughout middle school summer camps, God would always confirm that word to me. You were created for this. You were created to preach. You were created to bring the gospel. And then I guess about middle school, you know, those holes in my heart I was talking about earlier began to speak. You know, I began to desire, I guess, you know, adolescent age, you start to care about what you look like and how people feel about you. And man, I began to be desperate to be seen and for validation and affirmation. And honestly, I just wanted to be cool. <laughs> I began to desire for a father figure. And I guess about ninth grade, we had a local dope man that began to come pick me up from this bus stop and bring me to school. And he had his purple Cadillac, purple Cadillac 412s in the back, Miss Cheryl. And I thought I was the coolest kid in the world, man. We started to smoke and drink before school. And at that point, man, my addiction began to take off. It was all downhill from there. And then eventually I ended up in jail for the first time and I was sentenced to do 90 days. And man, I ended up in a jail cell with somebody who had just murdered my best friend a few months ago. I mean, you know, that'll get you to pray. So I was in my bed, man, and I wasn't sleeping that night. I was praying and trying to negotiate with God. If you do this, I would never do this, and in my heart, I was trying to negotiate, knowing that I wasn't really trying to do anything. I just wanted to get out of jail. And I, that God spoke to me in that night in that jail bed, and he said, look, Chris, you're going to live your life for me, or you're going to live your life right here in this jail bed. And I got out of jail, and man, I got a huge tattoo that said, my life God's way. And I called the dope man back up. And man, I started to run back in the direction I was running. I began to run from God again. But how I many you know God is faithful to his promises? You know, over the next 10 years of my life, 
I, I would end up in that same jail bed or in, I, I did tour, man. I did in OPD. You know, I've been in their jail. I've been in Livingston. I've been in Donaldsonville. But I ended up in jail beds over and over and over again. It's like I could not get away with anything. Man, I've been arrested three times in one day. How do you do that? Talk about miraculous. But I remember, man, I would talk to my mom on Friday night. And she'd be like, what are y'all doing this weekend? I'd be like, I'm going to hang out with some friends. She'd be like, all right, good. I'm praying you go to jail. So at least I know you're going to be alive. And God hears the prayers of a single mother. Amen. And man, my addiction began to grow worse and worse until I ended up in the streets of New Orleans. And man, I find myself waking up on the street, not even know how I got there. And man, my addiction was no longer fun. It became about feeding my addiction, whether that be robbing somebody or whatever it may be. And eventually I ended up in court one more time and I was about to get actually off of probation because I had them that fooled in Baton Rouge. And I ended up in front of the judge and I failed a drug test that I should have passed because I've been passing these things for a living for the past 10 years. And I knew in that moment it was the hand of God again. This was my well moment. And I knew I was facing 10 years and the judge got up there and she said, Crispy, and she called me by my nickname because she knew me that well. She said, boy, you know I don't like you. But for some reason, I feel like God has given you one more chance. For one reason, I know she didn't say God. She said, I feel like I'm supposed to give you one more chance. I mean, no, I knew who it was in the building. And she sentenced me to a rehab. And in that rehab, I laid on my knees for three days. And I, mean, I fully surrendered my life to God. And I said, God, I don't have anything to give. Man, I've ruined all my relationships. I've lost everything I owned. I don't have anything, but I do give you the rest of my life. And three days later, man, God broke that addiction off my life like something I'd never seen before. I experienced the presence of God that was so thick that it was better than any drug I've ever done in my life. And I've done all of them, church. So I got out of rehab and I walked in the healing place, church. And I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I ain't got nothing to offer, but I'll vacuum the floors if you let me. I'll sweep, I'll stack chairs if you let me. And I began to just come serve God's church because I knew I was supposed to go. I was supposed to go do something for the church, do something for God. And eventually I walked in these doors one Sunday and Papa Randy, Randy Marcella, I love that man. I'm so grateful for him. He was leading our ushers at that point. And he said, hey, Chris, you want to come pass an offering container on Sunday morning? I said, an offering container? Like, you mean like what people put all God's money in and it's a container full of money? Like, you understand just a month and a half ago, I was doing backflips and robbing people on the streets of New Orleans for $5. And now you want me to hold an offering container full of God's money? And he said, yes. That's why we have next steps now to keep people from me out of there. But I began to pass that offering container on Sundays and somebody, Mr. David Ray Sr. walked up to me one day. He says, I see God's doing something in your life. I feel like you're supposed to come to Kenya, Africa with us. And I said, all right, I'll go. God's doing something. How much is it? $3,800. And I said, I ain't never seen legal $3,800 in my life. Like you understand just a month and a half ago, I was doing backflips on the street in New Orleans trying to get a dollar. And God began to provide. People began to sow into my life. People began to see that God was up to something and said they want to see me walk in all of it. And then somebody walked up to me and said, hey, have you ever thought about Healing Place College? And I said, you know, I've tried college twice, ended up in jail both times, but they say third time's a charm. In my college, my Healing Place College, Pastor Dino Rizzo scholarshiped me my first year. I got a scholarship my second year. And God just began to provide and open doors for me to walk. And, you know, I know we say gather, grow, go here, but I just began to go. 
And next thing I know, I began to gather. God began to surround me with spiritual family. God began to surround me with spiritual fathers and mentors and people that cared about me and all the things that I desired all my life. And I just began to grow, grow in the knowledge of God and the identity of God and what he's created to me to be and who he says I am and in his love and in his joy and in his peace and all those things I desired my whole life. I'm telling you, church, you do not want to miss out on what God has for you. I remember emceeing service a few years back, standing right here, and man, we were talking about all the mission trips that we have coming up in the church. We're going to here, this was before COVID, and we're going here, and we're going there, and we're going there. I was excited and fired up, and I heard the Spirit of God say, you know, only 10% of the people in this room will go. And it broke my heart. Not because we're only going to have a couple hundred people go to mission trips, but because I knew that only a couple hundred people would see the fullness of God and take that next step in their faith. You see, when we say no to who God has called us to be, we say no to seeing all that God wants us to see about himself. When we don't go, we miss out on so many attributes of him that he wants to show you. And we wonder why we struggle with our faith or it's hard for us to to trust him in hard times, but it's because we have not seen but a small glimpse of who he is. It's like marrying somebody you've only talked to on the internet. But God wants to show you his fullness. He wants to show you who he is. He wants to show you how faithful he is. I'm sure if I was to ask in this room, who in here wants to be blessed? Everybody would raise their hand. Who in here wants to see and feel divine peace? Everybody would raise their hand. Who wants to sense joy and see the supernatural and see the miraculous done in their life? Everybody would raise their hand. But see, his supernatural peace, his supernatural provision are for his path and his purposes. He's not just going to pour out supernatural joy so you can be the happiest guy on your block. You know what I'm saying? He reserves his attributes. He reserves those things for people that are called to build his kingdom, who want to build his kingdom, who have answered the call and said, yes, I will go. I don't know what I'm going to say, but you're going to tell me when I get there. That is what his provision is for. That is what his peace is for. That is what his goodness is for. So many of us want to pray and we ask for the supernatural, but we live lives where we don't need the supernatural at all. See, God is not going to come get in your boat. Jesus is trying to get you out of your boat and to come get in his boat. Man, we saw Peter walk on water, the supernatural. But Jesus allowed him to do that, not so that he could film it and put it on TikTok and get more followers than everybody else. He did it because he was responding to the call, the call to go. You see, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to live decently moral lives and have 2.5 kids and just be successful and just tithe on Sundays and come. and See, all these things are nice, but that is not what we're called to. Those are things that we do, but those are not things that we're called to. See, the biggest trap as a follower of Jesus is just to be a Christian. Man, the enemy would love for you to just be a part of church on Sunday. And you'd never walk in what he's called you to walk in. But God has called you for more. There's people in this room right now that have all those things I listed. Man, you've been successful. And when you lay your head down at night, you question yourself, man, there has to be more. And the answer is because there is. Man, God has called you and created you to embark on the wildest adventure of his gifts, his glory, and his mission. There's people in this room that have gifts that they haven't even discovered yet. Because God has hidden your gifts until you discover your calling. 
Now we look at people with a gifted to, to rap or whatever, I don't know, Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, I don't even know if they can even sing. But these are simply just worship leaders that discovered their gift before they discovered their calling. Man, manipulators, car salesmen, man, those are preachers. They just discovered their gift before they discovered their calling. If you discover your gift, God knows if you discover your gift before you discover your calling, your gift can destroy you. But God wants more for you. He wants to show you what he's created you to do. Man, following Jesus is not a spectator sport. And you know, we've become to fall into this world and we've become all about consumerism. What can I get out of this? But as a church, we cannot walk into church with a come and see mentality when we have a go and tell mandate. This was not a recommendation. This was a command from Jesus. We look at Jonah. I know we preach it one way all the time, but man, Jonah wasn't trying to go live some sinful life. He wasn't trying to go sit my ties on the beach and get all these girls. No, he was simply running from what God called him to do. It wasn't like he was denouncing God. He was just running from what God has called him to do. And he sent a whale to swallow up. The future of our church is not built on curriculums or programs. It is built on people. The future of the church is built on Romans 12, 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, in view of the things that God has done in your life, in view of Jesus on the cross, in view of him, him died, crucified, risen again to forgive your sins, he says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Has God done anything in anybody's life in here this morning? Because if he's done something in your life like he has done mine, the only proper response is to give him all of it. In view of the mercies of God, in view of what he's done in your life. Let that just simmer. What all has he done in your life? Think about it for a second. Man, he deserves all of it. My second point is you have a story to tell. Let's get back to this story. You know, it says, finally Jonah goes and he begins to preach. He preaches this message. In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Literally the worst message ever preached. (laughs) Like, dude, he didn't even rhyme once. Like, what's up with that, Pastor Mike? Clearly ain't never been to healing place. He preaches the worst message ever preached, and it says that all of the Ninevites began to repent. But I love what it says. It doesn't say they believe Jonah. It says they believe God. You never know what God is up to behind the scenes. You never know the people that he's working on. This is the Ninevites. This was God's enemy for all of the Bible before this. This was the wickedest of the wicked, and they fully repent. Now, I think about my story. You know, in your yearbook in high school, I did not get the most likely to succeed. Somebody actually wrote in my yearbook, most likely to go to jail. They were a prophet. (laughs) I think about Terry Olivier, one of my best friends, man. I love T.O., genius, brilliant, awesome. T.O. was one of my youth leaders growing up. T.O. hated me. I was a youth leader's worst nightmare. But he did not know what God was doing. He did not know what God was doing behind the scenes. God is always up to more than you think he is. He is always doing the more than you think he is. It's the same exact people that you say they would never respond to the gospel. Those are the ones he's working on. Over the past few years of my life, I've seen the ones who are the worst, the ones who I counted out, God counted them in, and they would call me and say, I see God's doing something in your life. Can you tell me how you got there? And I said, yes, I've got a story to tell. You see, if God has done something in your life, he has put something in your life. Hand and he wants to see and make sure that you're going to give it to somebody else. 
You ever heard of the parable of talents? What happened to the man that God put something in his hand, he went and buried it? Man, we are called to replicate what we've been given. We are called to multiply what we've been given. We've got to. If somebody's been something for you in your spiritual faith, you are called to be that for somebody else. Maybe you look at the church and you say, the church is missing that. Guess what? You're called to be that for somebody. You have a story to tell. I broke this down into two parts. The first one is, man, you don't have to preach to preach. You don't have to preach to preach. You don't have to preach to reach. Now, we talk about being a Christian. It simply means to be like Christ. Man, it's not about... Man, being able to memorize all the Bible verses or pray as loud as Derek Foster and have all the rhymes and the biceps like Pastor Mike, all those things will help you out. But it simply means to be like Christ. So in order to see what we're supposed to walk out, we've got to look at Christ. And I'm not talking about getting on a corner or on Facebook, it's about the same thing right now, and telling everybody they're going to hell. See, way more than Jesus ever preached at people, he sat with people. And he sat with the lost, with the lonely. He sought after those who were the worst of the worst of the worst. See, we've got to make sure we don't spend our whole lives avoiding the same people that got Jesus spent his whole life engaging. But one of my favorite statistics about Jesus, see, you would think Jesus was from Louisiana. My favorite Bible statistic, it says in Luke's gospel, we see Jesus eating with people 50 times, eating with people. In Matthew, we see him eating 94 times with people. One theologian said, in the book of Matthew, every time you see Jesus, he was either on the way to a meal, eating a meal, or on his way back from a meal. This is Jesus-style ministry. Take somebody to lunch. This is Louisiana-style ministry. Just sit with people. Sit with people. Sit with the lost, with the lonely, the ones who don't look like you, the ones who don't vote like you, the ones who don't think like you. The ones that the rest of the world rejected, we are called to accept because you never know what God is doing behind the scenes. And my second sub point under you have a story to tell is God's not scared of your issues. If you got some issues in here, you are in good company. You are my people. My issues have issues. Like, I'm going to see my therapist this week. I took a prescription medication this morning to help me with an obsessive compulsive disorder that started hopping on me. And I know there's probably some people in here that are a little more spiritual than me that will say, that's just because he ain't got enough faith. But I would ask you to consider maybe your faith is too small to allow for God to use a doctor or a prescription medication to do something in your life. God is not scared of your issues. The last time I read my Bible, God used a donkey one time. And if you really need some help in this place, he did not use the word donkey in the King James Version. Man, God uses a prostitute. Noah was a drunk. Man, Jonah was a racist who ran. Moses was a murderer. These are the characters of the Bible, the heroes of the Bible. God clearly never heard of a PR person or an Instagram filter. Half of these people wrote themselves about themselves. Like clean it up a little bit, but I believe that God left it in there because he wants to show you that he is not scared of your issues. He has a way of turning your mess into a message. When we look at the book of Jonah, when we look at the story of Jonah, we know it wasn't his preaching skills that got these people to revival. Pastor Mike mentioned this last week, but these people, they worship this God called Dagon. And this was a God that was half fish and half man. So all of a sudden this dude Jonah's gets thrown up by a giant fish on their beach and they see it. And they're like, man, it must be Dagon. 
And Jonah gets out and starts preaching and it says revival breaks out. See, it wasn't even the results of his preaching that caused revival. It was the results of his disobedience, of his issues, of his failures. It was his past that caused revival. God wants to use your past. He does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. If anybody be discredited in here, it'd be me. I probably got all y'all beat, man. I've been in jail more than anybody in this room. You want to see my resume? Even from Healing Place College, I don't think I got a real uh, degree or nothing. He does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Man, God's not scared of your issues. Let me tell you something about a little something called predestination. I ain't going to get too much into it because I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But Ephesians 2.10 says, He knows the good works you were created for before the foundations of the earth were laid. So if he knows that, then that also means he knows the bad works that you're going to get yourself into before the foundations of the earth were laid. See, God already knew when you were going to mess up. He already knows some of y'all are going to get out of here today and mess up. Yet he has still called you because he wants to work with you, because he wants to work in you, because he wants to work through you. Man, we talk about Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him. Yet he still told him, you are the rock on which I will build my church. Man, people are tired of religion. Man, we got enough perfection out there on Instagram and through all this. People want real. People want relatable. People want somebody who looks like them, who came from where they came from, who talks like they talk, who cusses on accident like them sometimes. You know what I'm talking about, Miss Geraldine? People want real. People want real. And I've never seen anybody do this the way that Jeff Rabin has. He's not here this morning, but Jeff Rabin, when I first met Jeff, was at a men's retreat about four years ago, and Jeff was off to the side smoking a cigarette. Clearly did not see the no tobacco policy on the registration. And I went and talked to Jeff, and we began to talk, and he began to tell me about how he has a business, and man, he's the party capital of the city. The dude's got a tiki bar in his backyard, like for real. And he began to tell me, I think God's doing something in my life, though. And I'm like, yeah, cool, cool. He was like, I feel like I'm called to do more. It's like, yeah, cool, cool. And in the back of my head, man, I'm looking at him like, this dude probably ain't going to last long. I'm human. I was like, he probably ain't going to make it. But when Jeff got home from retreat, and Jeff kept following after God. Man, Jeff kept chasing after God. He started a small group at his tiki bar in the backyard. He took the Coronas out the fridge. And now that small group, man, there's about three to 400 men in our city who call that small group home. They meet there every single Thursday, and Jeff just shares what God's doing in his life, what God has pulled him from, what God is doing in his life, and the issues that he's dealing with and how God is dealing with those things. And man, it's the only small group that I've ever seen where you see police officer next to drug addict, next to, next to black, next to white, next to Asian, next to drug dealer, and they're all arms locked, praying for each other, leading each other, pushing each other in the things of God. Man, we've seen divorces put back together. We've seen the dead come back to life. And we see people find freedom from addiction. It's just crazy to see. And Jeff would be the main person ever to tell you that. If he, God can do it through him, he can do it through you. And if you still think you got too many issues in here, guess what? So did every person God ever called in the Bible. One of my favorite stories of a calling is the calling of Moses. And, you know, there's a burning bush that calls Moses. And God begins to tell Moses of all the things that he's going to do. 
that you're going to deliver my people from slavery. They've been in slavery 400 years. And Moses is like, did you not see I just murdered that guy a couple years ago? And God says, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And Moses begins to respond. He says, me? Who am I to do these things? And he says, I can't talk good. I can't preach good. I stutter. I have this issue. I have that issue. And I love the way that God responds because he doesn't respond about Moses or who Moses is. He responds about who he is. God simply responds, I am. See, the more I look at myself, I see more lack that I have. But the more I look at him, the more sufficiency I see. Because he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is El Shaddai, the sufficient one. He is Jehovah Nisi, the healer. He is the one so great, so good, so powerful, so sufficient. He's got so many names that I can't even remember them all. He's the one who's so good and so great that you can't even summarize him into a middle first and last name. It's not about you doing it. It's about you, him doing it. He just wants you to be a part. He just wants to get to use you. First Thessalonians says, the one who calls you is faithful, and also he will do it. There are souls on the other side of your obedience. You don't want to miss out. You have a story to tell. And lastly, you have another chance. I love the story of Moses because it says a burning bush that called him, a burning bush that never consumed. It just kept on burning. And uh, some people in here, God's called you to do more. He's called you to step out in obedience. And I want to encourage you today that that bush, that bush that was called out of is still burning. That call still goes out. No matter how far you run, how long you run, he's still calling out to you today. That call still remains. He's still got so much for you to see. He's still got so much for you to do. You know, in this chapter, we see Jonah literally thrown up by a whale. He preaches the worst message ever preached. It's the biggest revival we've ever seen recorded in the Bible. People get saved. Yet I think the most powerful verse of this entire chapter is, says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up. See, every other prophet had a message, but Jonah's life was the message. A message of God's love, of his compassion, of his mercy, of his grace of his character, of God's nature. See, we sang about it earlier. Man, we serve a God who can reverse nature. He split the Red Sea. He makes the sun stand still. He makes the rain cease and keep on going. He makes a whale swallow a man. Yet he's not even able to reverse his own nature. And that is a nature of compassion. That is a nature of love, of forgiveness. See, Jesus loves to forgive you more than you love to sin. God loves to forgive more than you love to disobey. God loves to forgive more than you love to run. Yet today he's given you another chance. I look back at my life, every arrest, every close call, every bullet that missed me, it was just the love of God trying to wake me up and let me know he's got more for me. God wants more for you than you want for you, church. You know, the other day, Alice and I were leaving the gym and I asked her to drive, honestly, because I worked out too hard for me to even feel safe driving. I told you I got issues. <laughs> and we began to come down old Perkins, and I began to notice things I'd never noticed before. I began to notice the breeze, how beautiful the scenery was. I began to see houses that I'd never seen before. I began to just notice God's creation. I began to notice a peace. I didn't have to worry about driving, where we were going. I was just sitting in the passenger seat. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, you know, this is what I want for my people. 
And I feel like there's people in here for so long, they've been gripping the driver's seat of their life. And they've been swallowed up by anxiety about what the future holds or about what their purpose is or what God wants to do in their life. And you're crippled with worry and you find yourself just like Jonah washed up on beaches, swallowed by life, trying to control your own life. Saying no to the things that God calls you to do, yet also not knowing you're saying no to the things that you truly desire. You know, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Man, his yoke is his leading, his purpose, his call, what he wants you to do, not what you want to do. He says, learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. Then you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not talking about religion. He's talking about relationship. He's talking about surrendering not just your souls, but your life to him. Letting him direct and drive the direction of your life, the course of your life. And God's asking you to let him take the wheel this morning. To let him write on the pages of your life. He's calling you into this great adventure of the Great Commission, of spreading his word, of making his kingdom known. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.